she's like, oh, bitch, and you voted for me. And I'm like, yeah, and I told you that I would. I told you if you f up, I totally would. She goes, yeah, that's why yo ass went home next. <laughs> fears, 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 fears. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, good morning, good night. I'm Joey Nolfi, Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter, coming to you live from the Pulitzer-winning news desk of Heidi N. Closet and La La Rie. Before we bring you our All-Stars 8 Episode 2 recap and an interview with Nasha Lopez that you don't want to miss, I'm going to throw it to my co-host, Jilly N. Closet, to tell us about our biggest, most prominent news story of the hour. Hi! Lala, Joey threw it to me, not you. Anyway, I'm your average garden hoe, EW News Director, Jillian Cedarholm, and sounds like my co-anchor had a real scoop there. Not only are the Pulitzers now pronounced Pulitzer, but they are awarding Pulitzer Prizes for broadcast journalism for the first time in its 100-year history, apparently. So congrats to us. Yes, and I actually also lied. My name is actually Pussy Jones. Um, <laughs> Like Hannah Montres. Um, and I am your late night newscaster. Uh, but Jillian, the real question is do you love it? I love that drink. <laughs> much as I would love to give Jillian a Pulitzer for that moment, we cannot waste any more time. We need to report the facts on this very important episode because we learned that between Darian and Monica in the bottom on episode two, RDR Live, many of the remaining queens did vote for Darian to go home in a vote that was not nearly as split as the All-Stars votes usually are, but by process of elimination after Candy, Lala, and James revealed that they voted for Darian because Monica also voted for Darian and there were four lipsticks in the box for the season six queen. We were able to put together that Nasha also voted for Monica to go home after telling Candy last episode that she didn't think she could vote for her friend, whom she knew for many years before the competition. Jillian, did this shock you, especially given that Nasha said, I think she said, step your pussy up mm -hmm. when she was in the voting booth? <laughs> Well, Joey, as a Pulitzer Prize winning investigative <laughs> reporter, I was actually able to piece it together much earlier when I was watching the end of <laughs> la the last episode of Untucked where it showed her <laughs> displaying her lipstick. But but yeah, no, I mean, Blowing when a she, hole in my Pulitzer campaign. When she, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I, you have now interviewed both these queens, so I'm very curious of what they had to say about it. I guess I was... I was surprised, but at the same time, like, unless you did, like, go in stating, like, you are in an alliance together and will not vote for each other, I guess she, you know, knew this lifelong friend, this probably wouldn't be something that would be held, like, would put an end to the friendship. Um, so, yeah, I guess I wasn't totally shocked, but, like, strategically, it was probably well, I mean, okay, in hindsight, maybe not, or maybe it didn't matter. But strategically, if I'm Nasha and I see that, okay, Monica's in the bottom episode one, she, you know, looks a little shaky, is ad admittedly nervous, then if I'm looking out for myself and the most votes going forward, it's probably not the best person to not vote for. 
Yeah. I, I don't know. And I just feel like Nisha knows the game so much. So for her to say like on camera, like I can't vote for Monica and then voting for, I don't know. I, well, Nisha's also great at TV. So who knows? I I mean, but we did talk to her about this and she did give uh, her side of the story. Monica, as you heard on last week's episode, also had some things to say about this. So um, it's, you know, they're going to get over it. They're going to get through it together because like they said, they are family, but it was an interesting moment development that happened on the show. So yeah, you'll just have to stay tuned to see Nasha's side of this. Yes, very curious. And speaking of Nasha, for this week's SNL-themed acting challenge, we did see her and Heidi go at it gently over a role gently. that they both wanted. But Nasha ended up giving it to Heidi and took on a different role. But the fight wasn't that intense. We didn't get rock, paper, scissors, the classic decider of all things. <laughs> but later in a confessional, Nasha did say she was pissed that she didn't get the role, even though she handed it right over so did this add up to you or do you think she was just hurt and wanted an excuse i will say before speaking with nasha it didn't make sense to me Hmm. but luckily for nasha i am a pulitzer winning (laughs) journalist and i did ask her about this very specific moment and she did and so after talking to her i was like okay that makes sense because she was saying that well i'll let people listen ahead for her response but um yeah, it it was I did take note of the fact that she did say in a confessional that she was a little pissed that she didn't get the role, but then it just did seem that she just handed it over in that moment, but uh I think this is an instance where Nasha was thinking 10 steps ahead because she does know the game so well and it made me love her 10 times more her answer that she gave to this question. Oh, wow. So, um yeah, it's I I was kind of expecting that we would get maybe a clash over roles. And that's maybe why we were switching to this different format so early uh, outside of not getting the talent show and the reading challenge. So this might've been a way for them to sort of set up for some dramatic clashes and Nasha was not going to give it to them. So I love it. Hmm. Uh, Can we also talk about this week's best moment, Mm -hmm. a moment that brought us infinite joy this weekend RuPaul telling Jessica Wilde, Jackie Collins said that you were naive because you didn't know what a golden shower is. And then Jessica Wilde being like, but now I know and I even do it. It is the (laughs) best quote of the season so far. And is this podcast officially now the Jessica Wilde experience? This po- I mean, this podcast, I think, already was last season, the Jessica Wilde experience. <laughs> yes, and now, as we warned you in our first episode, we are all in on Jessica Wilde. She is just the best. She's like yes. every every quote out of her mouth. Yes, this was like the one of the standout quotes, even well, equal to I love that drink was this Jackie Collins moment from <laughs> her original season. <laughs> saying she was very naive and so yeah this was just this was so good just everything that comes out of her mouth is she's truly the golden child but did you i also observed in the workroom did you see what was sitting on the shelf in her station the no. chicken mask that oh. she wore as an assassin on all stars six i had to pause it when they were walking over to do their workroom chat i was like is that and it sure is a full chicken the chicken mask that she wore which oh was God. already in reference to her playing the chicken yes. in in season two which she's already talked about was a kind of traumatic moment in her drag race history. i can never tell if you don't tell me about these things beforehand because you want me to be genuinely surprised on the podcast or because you don't want me to make memes about them. 
<laughs> Which so one is it? The accusation is that I'm blocking you from memeing. From, so wait, you are admitting that you're inspired by me and my observations for your for your memes? <laughs> no, but now I'm gonna meme your ass for saying that. <laughs> no, this was actually Black something I, I took a photo of it. It's in my phone, but I did not send it to you. But I will send it to you. Oh, I know. The, the, that, that's not Pulitzer <laughs> Prize winning journalism, Jillian. You're supposed to send your nightly co-anchor all of your findings so we can report the most accurate news possible. And it said you're springing. This, you know what? This is called gotcha journalism, Jillian. <laughs> True. That's how I got where I am. Well, I look forward to your hit piece on me. <laughs> and even more stunning news. Jillian Closet showed genuine emotion during this broadcast as this week's SNL-inspired challenge marked the crossover of her two loves in life, Saturday Night Live and Drag Queens. And trust me, I know all about her love for Saturday Night Live because I have watched a video podcast of Jillian Closet discussing Saturday Night Live. And I was in the comments blowing the comments up and Jillian Closet was ignoring every single one. So I can attest firsthand that Jillian Closet is obsessed with Saturday Night Live. Um, Jillian, I am going to let you take this away now as if it's your SNL monologue. So please tell us about your experience with this challenge. Okay. Well, last time I was given the floor to discuss SNL, it truly turned into a full monologue of <laughs> and PowerPoint presentation of the origins of Lil Pound Cake. So I'm Jillian, trying please give us your truncated 30-second monologue about your experience with this yes, challenge. I am, a, I am a lifelong SNL stan who, and historian, and that does not mean I think it's funny 100% of the time, but I have plenty of other stances about it that I'm happy to That's share right. on this podcast. That's right. Because it's not funny right no, now. I, <clears throat> so I literally <laughs> teared up when I realized just how SNL <laughs> themed that they were doing a full mini Very. episode of SNL with like complete homage to multiple segments when they started doing the, I mean, no, this cold open was as funny to me as most SNL cold opens. I'm not really a fan of most of this kind of like quick a uh, silly little political sketch and then yell out live from Tuckahoe in this case. But once they started the opening credits montage that was like so was similar so in the style so of an SNL one, I yeah. literally started tearing up. Mm-hmm. I teared up again during the good nights. I teared up on my <laughs> second viewing of it. I just, it just, these are my two like all time favorite things that I am obsessed with and have done podcasts on. So mm-hmm. yes. And I was, and I was really blown away by like how how dedicated they were to it and how really and were, some of the yeah. queens really just blew me away and you know i thought it was just it was it was so much fun i really yeah this was one of my favorite challenges of all time it was really great i really enjoyed it too i thought it was really funny i thought that they all literally i thought Every single person did well. Um, I I thought Nasha did well. I did not think that there was a single bad performance in this group. Um, I laughed really hard when uh, they were pointing at the different countries and Nasha, when she said Canada, Nasha went down low. Like I thought, I did think that everybody did well. I thought Mrs. Kasha Davis actually was the best. Um, I will say that right now. I think that Mrs. Kasha Davis did well. But what I really enjoyed about this is that i think that this is one of those rare not not rare moments but one of those moments where drag race is truly serving its cast in, in the best way possible for careers after the show because 
there have been so many calls in recent months for Jinx Monsoon, Bob the Drag Queen to host SNL. And RuPaul is the only one from this show who has done it, even though these other queens are making such huge strides in their career. And this shows that SNL would really benefit from someone like Candy Muse or Jimbo or some of these Heidi and Closet hosting SNL. They can do it. They can make it funny. And there is an audience that will that this will touch and that will tune into SNL to watch this. So I think that this episode was genius on so many different fronts. This was truly hats off to the team who created this challenge because I think it is one of the best ones they've done in a long time. Are you tearing up right now, Jillian? <laughs> I, I might be. I just might be. <laughs> oh my God, Jillian emotion. Uh, to me, like Heidi really was a standout of, of the challenge, though. I thought it was slightly yeah. unfair that, I mean, but this is how real SNL works. And one of the things I'm fascinated with is like, there's like all these stats, like the way, same way as drag queen, the drag race stats of like, who's done the live from New York the most times and who's been in the sketches and who wrote this and who like, aren't we seeing in the new cast? And that was kind of the way I was really watching this of like, okay, Nisha and James just had like a bit part. They basically had the part that a brand new cast member would have like a one-off appearance in the cold open before they prove themselves. Um, so then that's kind of interesting to me that James ended up in the top almost as a way for Nisha to not be able to argue like, hey, well, I only had a bit role. Like, what could I do? Um, but to me, Heidi was really the standout of just like doing exactly what I needed from her. Anyway, let's move on. The <laughs> runway theme was Net Gala, which Jimbo interpreted in a matrixy internet way with a look that had a bunch of smartphones attached to it, which really gave me Alyssa Edwards All Stars 2 camera dress 2.0 vibes. I loved that. Um, but the queen, I thought, like I said, had this episode in the bag was Heidi in Closet. And I wondered yeah. if maybe she didn't uh, get the win the whole episode. Uh, because of her runway not reading totally net like not until they even like zoomed in on on the close-up like when she actually walked the runway I'm you like, could kind of see the, it a little net? bit yeah so um but she actually tweeted over the weekend that she switched up her look last minute and i'm just gonna read her tweet fun fact my net gala runway was originally an outfit i brought with me to lip sync in my original concept was black baby spice going to the met with a bed canopy net with butterflies all over it. But since I knew I was going to be in the top, I didn't want to have butterfly gate. <laughs> so apparently we we almost had the new version of kimono gate. Was yeah. that the right choice? And do you think that the dueling butterfly nets affected Kasha or maybe Jessica from being in the top? Mm, no. I think oh, so that you if don't drag think race Kasha was the best. Well, well, no, no, no. I'm saying that I don't think that that's how the judges look at it. Mm -hmm. I think that if they like what the person did in the main challenge, sort of regard, like, I don't think the runways really play that much. The only way that I think the runways actually influence the judges this time around is if somebody who performs poorly also has a bad outfit, then they sort of use that to sort of say like, well, you also did bad on the runway. And so like, it sort of takes them down lower. I think that if someone does really well in the main challenge, but then has like a so-so runway look or like something as small as just it being similar to somebody else's, I don't think that really impacts it as much. But do you think if Heidi, I mean, so maybe Heidi just knew that her, hers was not as good as the other two. Maybe. Maybe, maybe so. But I mean, maybe we should ask Asia O'Hara about this. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, the challenge landed. Nasha and Kahana 
who won last week's challenge in the bottom two with Jimbo winning and facing off against shocker her RuPaul's Drag Race UK versus the world quote unquote rival Pangina Heels, the Drag Race Thailand judge who famously sent Jimbo home on the 2022 spinoff series, which led to Jimbo reading her intensely on that season's final episode and ignited a wave of fan blowback, which Jimbo does address in our preseason interview from a few weeks ago. So did this feel like too convenient of a pairing for you, Jillian? Kind of, but I don't think it's a full-blown conspiracy that will end up in the Thailand-Canada relations (laughs) Wikipedia page again. Um, I think, I mean, I guess like they didn't fly, I I don't know, is Pangina currently based in Thailand? I think. I don't know. uh, I don't know, actually. So, I I I mean, yeah, I don't know if they were like hop on a plane now, like Jimbo just lost, (laughs) or Jimbo just won. but I mean, I, I don't know. I guess like strategically, like the safe queens were saying that they thought Jimbo had this challenge in the bag. So maybe production did also think that, or maybe they just have a stable of lip sync queens all in the area that they're like, we'll call you like after. And then Jimbo yeah. rightfully won. And then they were like, okay, get her over here. Like yeah. <laughs> bring this one out of the pin. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know. Like, I guess I did whether it's manufactured or not the stakes aren't as high as her getting right. a whatever the all winner season stars yeah. were called so that it like has a real significance like she gets money or doesn't but other than that it doesn't really fully change the game well, i guess it does mm-hmm. depending on who you're voting for but I, I don't know like it's not as devastating to me of like if if there are shenanigans in this case yeah no i see that so i guess i do like uh, I do like when they have, I don't know, ask me if, ask me when this happens again. Maybe I'll be over it by then. This one didn't bother me. It was fun. I like them both. I ended up hating the drama that they had on their season because I do like them both and think they're such good queens. So it was fun to see them both performers who really understood what this song was about and really went there and to see that they seem to have made up and are friendly again. So that part of it. I enjoyed that they were together, although I still maintain that Heidi won the episode for me. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of convenience, Nasha Lopez, host of Roscoe's and one of the most candid queens on the circuit, readily offers up some tea on this episode after her unfortunate elimination early in the season. She talks about why she voted for Monica, her thoughts on why she relinquished the role she wanted in the SNL challenge to Heidi, and has a very interesting answer when asked about her contention for the Fame Games crown, which Jillian may or may not still understand or otherwise stay tuned for a truly great interview with nasha lopez coming hey everyone i'm sid evans editor-in-chief of southern living and host of biscuits and jam since 2020 i've been interviewing musicians chefs authors and other southern icons about their family traditions their faith their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam.
We are back, back, back again with a woman who's now returned and also left Drag Race now more times than the entire media industry has written articles about her thirst traps. She is the iconic host of Roscoe's and a Miss Continental winner. I mean, it can't you cannot get more iconic than that. But we are so sorry to see her go on All Stars 8, but very, very happy to have her here as always. Please welcome Miss Nasha Lopez. Hi, Nasha. How are you doing? Hi, um, listen, I'm better now that you introduced me as a woman, because besides <laughs> Monica, not one of those girls can be called a woman. <laughs> I'm glad that you're doing well, but I do have to say, like, she is a woman in drag. But then, as you've seen with the many articles that have come out, she is very much a thirst trap out of drag. <laughs> How did you feel seeing that? All of these articles and the instigays who quickly labeled you as the thirst trap of the season. Um, listen, you know, it's, I'm still getting like kind of used to it because, um, that's not, I'm not used to that kind of attention. Um, it's always about, you know, drag and what I'm doing in drag and pageantry and drag race and all that kind of stuff. Um, so to be getting that kind of attention is new to me. It's refreshing. And, um, like I told Candy Muse, Candy Muse, she, she's like, oh God, another article about your thirst traps. And then she's like, well, how about your drag girl? And I'm like, well, I'm not in drag every day. Um, and you are, as you should be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm like, just to get this attention, you shouldn't hate. But uh, anyway, no, it's it's kind of fun um, to get this attention, especially knowing that the other girls are not. <laughs> that is great. That is a very Nasha answer. I would expect nothing less. I, I truly love all of it for you. And before we get to this week's episode, though, I do need to ask you about something that happened on episode one, because you told Candy that you couldn't vote for Monica because you knew her for so long outside the show and you also had a close relationship. And I just spoke with Monica for her exit interview and she said that you told her for months that you did not vote for her. (laughs) At the premiere, she saw that you did vote for her to leave Miss Nasha. Please explain. Yeah, it's real simple. Monica's a liar. Because (laughs) not once did I ever say like, girl, I didn't vote for you. Girl... I told her, and she knows I. I don't know why she's playing. Uh, uh, she's got the amnesia all of a sudden. Um, but I told her that I will always be completely honest, and if she fucks it up, I'm gonna tell her she fucked it up. And um, I totally voted for her. Also, there was just certain things that were sad, and I know Monica. I know Monica very well. We're family. And when I put in that lipstick, I said, you know, step your pussy up, girl. Mm -hmm. Like, if she was still going to be there, I wanted her to know that I was going to keep it real with her. And if she needs to go home, I'll send her ass home. But at the same time, like, like, for a little while, like, I was like, oh, should I have done that? But it was one of those things that you're just like, regardless, I knew where everyone was going with their votes. And if I would have not voted for Monica, I feel like it would have put a target on my back because then I wasn't playing the track record game mm-hmm. that everyone else is playing. Um, so, yes, uh, I totally uh, voted for Monica. Um, okay. So, but she said that she is not quite over it yet. She said she'll get there, but she said she still is sort of holding a grudge. So where does that relationship stand from your end? Girl, it's perfectly fine. She's over it. She's, (laughs) 
stop acting a fool because she is completely over it. You want to know how I know she's over it? How? Because, yeah, that's why yo ass went home right after me. Girl, she's fine. She's perfectly fine. Now, had I made it all the way to the end, she would have been like, that bitch. But no, I go home right after her. So she's like, see, that's what you get. She's perfectly fine. <laughs> she said that to you? She said, see, that's what you get? No, she said, uh, actually, what she said, how does she put it? She's like, oh, bitch, and you voted for me. And I'm like, yeah, and I told you that I would. I told you if you fuck up, I totally would. She goes, yeah, that's why yo ass went home next. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I do it. I said, bitch, she, she's totally over it. She knows. Yeah, she's totally over it. So um, you not- told her, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you, so you told her during the deliberations that you were going to vote for her. No, 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 no. I no. Nobody ever says to anyone, "I'm gonna vote for you." No, or mm-hmm. or even the other way around. Well, I well, I shouldn't say that because some shit goes down. But um, no one ever says, "I'm gonna vote for you." What the way I put it was, if you fuck up, like, and if someone fucks up, then you know, I'm 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 gonna vote for that person. Okay. Um no matter who it is. Um, And I also said that I would vote, you know, with my heart, you know, if I really feel that someone needed to be, you know, saved or whatnot, um, then I would. Um, The other thing is that I disagreed with the judges. I don't think that Darian should have been in the bottom. And that had to do with one of the reasons that I voted for Monica, because to me, the, the, the worst performing one on this challenge was James Mansfield and James was not in the bottom. So the next one after that, in my opinion was Monica because Monica, I felt like she just didn't want to be there. She was just like, kind of, she felt defeated. She wasn't really having fun. Um, And then Darian, who was in my group, I experienced personally and she, not one complaint. She kept up with our group she learned the choreography. Um, she was not the weakest person, in my opinion. And, you know, there's that peanut gallery there where we get to watch everyone's performances. And I saw that other group perform. And James was the poorest performing one and should have been in the bottom and should have won. Okay, I got it. I get it. I got a clearer picture of it now. I feel like you are just... Roscoe's has just made you so into. <laughs> You are just so like in touch with explaining every single facet of this, and I'm hanging on to every word. Like, what a blessing! Um, I I do have to ask you about um, Candy earlier too, because she and Jimbo began strategizing right away and formed an alliance with Heidi, who then formed another side alliance with Lala. So, were you aware of this, or were they trying to sort of hide it in the workroom? Listen, they. I think. Uh... I don't think anyone was trying to hide anything, but listen, we're not stupid. At least I'm not some of them maybe, but not me. I knew going into this, you had three people that were on tour together, Jimbo, Candy and Heidi. They would be idiots not to form a, some kind of alliance. I knew there was going to be something with them. I mean, they're both coming into this literally spending every day with each other to now spending every day with each other in a competition. I knew there was going to be some kind of alliance there. And I pointed it out to Candy and Candy, Kahana and I, like we kind of had a little chat. I wouldn't say that it was an alliance, but we were like, okay, if it's us and someone else, then we're going to vote someone else out. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. 
So I think I I think Candy was kind of like forming that those alliances with with them, but also had like her thing with people who she is like actually like friends with and like actually really likes. <laughs> Did you try to align with anybody? No, I I I didn't I didn't have to align with anyone. Like for example, Jessica is uh family to me as well. Yeah. Jessica, you know, made it a point to tell me I would never put you in the bottom even if you fuck up because i had said well funny you holes fuck up i'm putting you in the bottom <laughs> or i'm voting for you out and she's like i won't even do that and i was like oh shit okay well i guess i won't do that to you um but um so i wouldn't say that i formed alliances but jessica and i spoke candy and i spoke together with kahana um so it, i guess you can say it was somewhat uh of an alliance yeah okay okay so let's let's talk about the preparation for this week's SNL inspired comedy sketch challenge because you and Heidi obviously wanted the same role. Uh, you seemed though to volunteer pretty quickly without a fight that you would just do Doctor Blackwell. But in a confessional, you said that you were pissed about not getting the role. Though it did seem like you sort of just volunteered to make the switch. So was there more to that that you can elaborate on? Um, yeah, definitely. It- what it was is like, um, <laughs> okay, how do I put this? See, this is the part where it gets challenging because I'm a contestant, but I'm also the Roscoe's host. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you both answers. Um, my, my Roscoe's answer would be Nisha. Don't show that you're like really pissed off. Just do what you're going to do. Like, and do it well, whichever fucking role it is. So just do it. And that was my thought process. Okay. My thought process was if I sit here and I argue and I'm going to fight over this and then what happens when you fight, 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 and then you do it wrong or you do, then you're in the bottom and then you go home. And I'm like, I'm not going to give that. I'm just going to do whatever role it is and I'm just yeah. going to do it well. And that's it. Got was it. I upset? Totally. I totally wanted that role. Like I totally wanted that one. But, you know, it was like, and, and it's one of those things that you just get caught up with playing the game and with you know what you really want or need you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. that's kind of like where where i was at no i understand that i totally do get that because i think when you're coming back especially after experiencing so much on your original season for any queen like you know you experience you go through the first round on your first season and then especially with you like talking to people so many weeks at roscoe's you know this game inside and out so i imagine that weighs on you when you go back to set and you're like oh well shit how am i supposed to be operating in this moment because i know every facet of how this works absolutely so we watched the challenge and I didn't, I mean, I will be honest with you when you were preparing and you were at the table, sort of trying your first voice, I was like, Miss Nasia. But then on the actual challenge, I didn't think that you were bad, but I, I mean, when, when the judges were, criti- were critiquing you, especially Michelle, she said that she couldn't understand you. How did you feel when you got those critiques? Um, you know, when we're doing the challenge, we sometimes get like, uh, you know, critiques certain things. And one of the critiques that I got was you're talking too slow. You need to speed it up. Yeah. And I guess I sped it up too much. But point is, listen, I'm not an idiot. I know comedic timing. I thought I was doing it perfect. And then all of a sudden I was told I was doing it too slow that I needed to speed it up. And then the critique I got was like, oh, you spoke too fast. We didn't understand you. I'm like, hmm, how convenient. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 
I just, at that point, it was just like, whatever it is, what it is like, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that, and this is a hypothetical situation, but you know, Michelle tells you, you know, you look great in purple. You should wear that purple. And then you wear the purple. And then RuPaul tells you on the, you know, that purple is just not the way to go for you. And you're like, fuck my entire life. That's kind of like how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I understand. Cause I mean, the critique initially though, I think didn't it come from, was it James? Who told you that you were speaking too slow? No, no, no. James is yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't James. It was just so funny because, you know, James and I spoke and I'm like, you know what? I I I think that I should and I had this crazy little wig and I'm like, I think I should just really go for it and go and just look absolutely crazy and mm-hmm. digital ditzy thing and I should just you know, look crazy or whatever. And one of the critiques that I got was like, oh, we still saw Nisha, you know, like you were just still so pretty. And I, I, and I probably that's the biggest uh, regret that I have with it because uh, James was like, well, you don't have to be ugly to be funny. And then I'm like, okay, fine. So it's just like, I was just all over the place. And it goes back to what you just said. Uh, I know this game and I know it so well that I just think my head was just all over the place trying to decide, should I do yeah. this? Should I do that? Oh my God, I think I should do this. And then another thing is um, I am a control freak. I am the type of person that I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it like this and this and this and this. And when I went this time around, I wanted to be more open to suggestions and like be open to, because there is a lot of group challenges. Um, and so I did kind of, you know, lean to to James and be like, you think I should do this and take advice from James. But, um, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the moment that, so after the lip sync, it's revealed that Pangina wins revealed that the group voted for you. How, what was running through your mind when it was revealed that your name was on that lipstick? Can you put into words what you were feeling in that moment? Um, I, I knew it. Um, I, I spoke, you know, everyone, everyone kind of spoke as to how they were going to vote in regards to track record or personal feelings or whatever. Um, and I can tell you this, there was only one person, which was Jessica, uh, while that said, Jessica Wild said, I am going to vote how I'm feeling. Like whatever I feel is what I'm going to do. And that's it. Um, and she was the only one that said that. Everyone else really was like track record, track record, track record. And I was put in the bottom with someone who won the previous challenge. So once that happens, um, I, I have to say that I knew I was going home. Yeah. I can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I'm devastated. My name is on there. It was more like when they named who was in the bottom with me. You, you could have let me go to the workroom and start packing. I knew it. It was it was done. It was just yeah. a wrap. And and I think I don't know. Again, I don't know what you've seen as far as like Untucked or the final part of the episode. But I did express my frustration in Untucked. I was like really really upset because I knew what was going to happen. I I just knew it. Yeah, it definitely shows you being very emotional in Untucked. I mean, you you definitely like. I mean, it shows Jessica giving you a really big hug, and it it seems like you're more sad than anything. And, yeah. and untucked so 
it was rough because I think you know we we are used to seeing you as you you've built up this sort of persona as being so sort of tough and strong and and you know willing to go against the grain. So it was surprising for me to sort of see you in that moment be so vulnerable and emotional because um, it's a side of you that I think we don't really see. So um, w- w- do you really feel like it was maybe? What's the right word? Not out of con- out of your control, but did it feel overwhelming to you? Those emotions, definitely. I, I was so overwhelmed uh, with emotion um, because um, it, it 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 goes again back to what we talked about earlier. You sit there and you watch uh, this game, you know, happen right in front of you, and you always talk about what you could, should, and would do, and then you critique other people on how they approach certain things. And now here I am doing it myself. Um, and in doing it, you know, I feel like I, I failed, you know what I mean? Um, and it, it, it's oh, the overwhelming part too, is that so many people were really hoping and rooting and just in my corner and then it's like i just disappointed all of these people do you know what i mean like it's like it's not only just me like you know like where i'm like oh i'm disappointed in myself or this or that i'm like oh my god how many people that i let down and um it's my roscoe's viewing party everyone that watches it's roscoe's it's everyone that you know um was like Oh my God, Nisha's really gonna kill this because she knows this game and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um and for it to go down like this was just like ridiculously overwhelming for me. Um, yeah. Well, Nisha, I don't think that you have disappointed anybody. I think that, you know, people you have built a brand outside the show that is clearly something that a lot of people appreciate and love and a lot of people are very excited to see you on this because they already love you so i don't think that you disappointed anybody i think everybody was lucky to have you on two episodes of tv um and if anything we are now more grateful because i am sure roscoe's is going to be very interesting this season um but the last thing that i want to ask you is you're not technically out of the running. I mean, we still have the Fame Games twist. And we actually, I loved that at the end of this Untucked, we got to see Monica actually working the runway in her Net Gala look um, that she would have used for episode two. So what can you tease about your runways coming up? How you felt about actually getting to walk the runway in your unused looks? And what would you say to people to sort of maybe get on your side for the Fame Games? Uh, Okay, so it's going to happen. You know, everyone that gets eliminated, they're going to sit here and they're going to say, hey vote for me so that I can be your fame game winner and you know, all my fans and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to take a completely different approach to this. I don't even, I don't want you to vote for me unless you think I deserve it. If Mm. you like me, that's perfectly fine. If my drag is not for you, that's perfectly fine. If, um, you know, you like camp and I'm not camp and I'm just not for you. That's perfectly fine. If your favorite is, uh, hypothetically speaking, La La Rie or Candy Muse or Jimbo, that's perfectly fine. But this isn't a popularity contest. It is whoever serves it on that runway the most. And I can confidently say that my runways are better than every single girl on this season. And that comes from them themselves. When I left and they found this out and they have seen my runways, every single one of them, 
said, we're glad you're gone. We are glad. We are glad that you're gone because I do have the better, the most, um, I don't want to say better. Let me not say that. I have the most consistent. Mm. It, one girl might have a fierce one way. And then the next week, it's the most hideous thing you've ever seen on that. Runway. <laughs> and then, no one is as consistent as I am on that runway. So vote for me because you see the consistency and because you think that I deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, not because um, I'm pleading with you for it um, because I'm not, I want you to give it to me because you know, I want to win this because I gained fans from it. And because people really enjoyed watching me on that runway. Yeah. Well, I cannot wait to see what you do on that runway. And I also cannot wait to see what you promised in our first interview with some ugly stuff coming to from hope from some of the other cast members. Trust me, it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Nisha, it is always so lovely to talk with you. Thank you so much for being so lovely throughout all of these interviews that we've done so far. And I can't wait to see what you do next. It was my pleasure, Joey. Good evening, good morning, good night. We interrupt this podcast to bring you another breaking news from the desk of Heidi and Closet and Lala Ree. The city of Glasgow has implemented a no defecation zone in parking lots across the city. When reached for comment, famous parking lot shitter Heidi and Closet told us. Thank you for that powerful comment, Heidi. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Please rate and subscribe to this podcast and make sure you don't miss our next all-new All-Stars 8 recap episode next Tuesday, Poos Day. Until then, (laughs) good night and good talk. I'm so glad that you now have something to make fun of me for because you famously said the first time you've ever mispronounced a word, my dream. From the desk of Heidi and Lala, we wish you a blessed rest and soft and supple slumber this evening and wish you have sweet dreams of a golden child. You didn't put an A in there. We're going to give people nightmares. Quick Drag is hosted and produced by Joey Nolte and Jillian Cedarholm, produced and edited by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Chanel Johnson. There's weather. Cloudy weather. Ooh! Now that's a Pulitzer.